0: he lives, I can face tomorrow, because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know thank you today for the, the love that you've given us, Lord. We thank you that we serve a risen God and a, a living God, Lord. We just thank you that uh, the cross could not keep you, the death could not defeat you, God, and that the grave could not hold you. Lord, we just want to lift you up today and we want to praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Those walls that we called sin and shame, they were prisons that we couldn't escape. But He came and He died and He rose. Those walls are rubble now. Remember those giants we called death and grave. They were like mountains that stood in our way. But he came and he died and he rose. Those giants are dead now.
1: This is our God. This is who he is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what he does. He saves us. He bore the cross. Let heaven and earth proclaim This is our God, King Jesus
0: Remember that fear that took our breath away A face so weak that we could barely pray But he heard
1: cross, meet the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim, this is our God, King
2: Jesus. Who pulled me out of that pit, he did, he did, who paid for all of our sin, nobody but Jesus. Of our sin, nobody but Jesus,
1: who rescued me from that grave, Yahweh, Yahweh, who gets the glory and praise, nobody but Jesus, who rescued me from that grave, Yahweh, Yahweh, who gets the glory and praise, nobody but Him, this is our God. This is who He is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what He does. He saves us. He bore the cross, beat the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God, King Jesus. He bore the cross.
3: just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind, because I know there's peace within your presence, I speak Jesus.
1: Your name is light. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire.
4: I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear. so captive by depression i speak jesus your name is power your name is
1: healing your name is life. break every stone Shadows burn like a fire.
4: Your name
1: is power. Jesus in the darkness over every
0: enemy. Jesus for my family, I
1: speak the holy name. Jesus, your name is power. Your name is healing. Your Stronghold Shine through the shadow
3: every mind, cause I know there's peace within your presence, I speak Jesus.
2: blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The bridge was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you had me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt I owe broke my chains, freed my soul for the first time I had hope thank
1: you Jesus for the
2: Tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, and then you walked out out again. Now death has no stain, life has no end.
1: darkness into glory
0: seated this morning.
5: Okay, we welcome you again to First General Baptist Church. If you have your Bible, let's turn to the book of Matthew. And at our church, we uh, preach through books of the Bible on Sunday. And we are in the book of Matthew. And of course, this is Easter. And I'm going to, we are going to look at the resurrection as we preach through the book of Matthew, we're only at Matthew chapter 3, and we'll start there but not stay there very long. I just, uh, when I looked at that, you know, well, I'm going to go on to the resurrection, but I uh, saw in Matthew chapter 3, we, were, we have talked about John the Baptist and baptizing, being baptized in the Spirit, and we come up to that scripture where John is, is uh, baptizing Jesus, and Matthew 3:13 through 15 then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him and John tried to prevent him saying I need to be baptized by you and are you coming to me but Jesus answered and said to him this is what this is the only reason I'm I'm going to look at this and then we'll go on to the resurrection when Matthew records it now these are not the first recorded words of Jesus these are the first recorded words that Matthew records, okay, so these are the first words that Matthew has recorded, and Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness, then he, then he allowed him, so the first recorded words of Jesus, I thought about that, I all right, so, hadn't seen that before, now let's go to Matthew 28 and the last chapter of Matthew. So now we're looking at the last recorded words of Jesus. There'll be two sections. Uh, one is uh, we are at the resurrection point, the ladies coming to the tomb. And then the last scripture that we'll read is what we call the Great Commission. By the way, if you picked up the announcements on the way in, on the back side of those, or is, uh, is an outline, okay? Uh, I'm trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, and we're going to go down about halfway. I'm going to cut the message in half this morning. In a, am going to ask you to do some things. I'm trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, and I want you to be too, but we'll get to that in a second, okay? Now, you're all wondering, what's he going to do now? Well, you're going to find out, Okay. Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of the, of the book, and the resurrection. Let's read uh, 1 through 10. This, all these scriptures will be on the screen. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven... And came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. You just pause right there. It did not matter if you went on. The angel rolled away the stone and sat on it. That's a humorous. Why did he do that? He's showing off. That's the only thing I can think of. He's kind of like saying, look what I can do. Okay? And he did what no one else could do. So he rolled away the stone and he sat on top of the the stone. And uh, verse 3. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, and he didn't say it to the guards, said it to the women, "Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. For he's not here, for He's risen. And as he said, "Come, see the place where the Lord lay." And go quickly. Now, pay attention, especially right here for the first part. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And I want you to look at that verse right there. Went out quickly with fear and great joy. When, if you're a disciple of Jesus, a lot of times you might think that you'll have one or the other fear. Or great joy that you should have one or the other. But that's really not the way discipleship works. And most of us kind of know that. So a lot of discipleship is doing whatever God tells you to do with fear and great joy. And they ran to bring the disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. I don't know if you caught it. We're, we're going to move on to Matthew chapter 28, uh, begin with verse 18, the great, great commission. But I don't know if you caught it as Jesus, the, the uh, instruction over and over, go and tell, go and tell, okay? The great commission, the last words recorded by, of Jesus by Matthew. Verse 18, chapter 28. Jesus came and spoke to them, to his disciples, saying, All authority or all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I'm going to, this is where, I know this is Easter. I know that uh, every Easter we have a congregation that's a little different. And I know uh, probably there's an expectation to, you know, do things the way we always have. But um, we're not going to do that this morning. I'm going to ask you to respond. And I want you to be thinking about it. And that's going to be kind of the point. But in the Great Commission... As disciples of Jesus, which I am one, as disciples of Jesus, we've been told to go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. First General Baptist Church, though, that's what we're here for. Go. Now, to go, we'd have to go, that means go out. All right? Go out. So it's not, the going isn't happening really right now. The going is happening when you walk out the doors, when you get outside the walls of the church. But that's our instruction. That's what God, one of the plans that he has for us, that's one of the purposes that he has for us. First General Baptist Church, go. Make disciples, baptize, teach. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. And that's the purpose that God has for his disciples. I'm going to ask you to respond this morning. Right now, this isn't going to be our end of the service prayer time. This is strange. I don't know that I've ever done this before. But I'm going to ask you here a little bit, not not yet. I'm going to ask ask the congregation to stand. And I'm going to ask those who want to do this and feel impressed by the Holy Spirit to do this. We're not going to have a testimony time, but in a way we are. I want to ask you to come to the front and just stand here. Now, those that will come to the front and stand here, it's going to revolve around this. Jesus has changed my life. Jesus has changed my life. His birth, his life, his death on the cross, the resurrection from that empty tomb, Jesus has changed my life. And I am not ashamed of that. I'm proud of that. I'm not ashamed to let other people know. And that's part of, isn't it? Isn't that part of go, uh, make disciples, baptize, teach? And part of that is, is they've got to see it in us. They've got to hear it from somebody. And so the only people I want to come this morning, and all we're going to do is just come and stand here. And I'm coming down here because I'm, I'm going to stand here. And the only people I want to come who are serious about being able to say, want to say, Jesus has changed my life. And I publicly want everybody to know it. Jesus has changed my life. And I publicly want everyone to to. To, to know that. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to give you just a second. Okay, I'm not going to give you a second. Come on. <laughs> Jesus has changed my life. And I publicly want everyone to know it. Jesus has changed my life. And I publicly want everyone to know it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Now the service is not over, okay? This is just half of it. Jesus, I publicly profess that you have changed my life. That you have changed my life. It's not just a doctrine. It's not a theology. It's a person. I believe in the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That has given me hope that I did not have. You've instructed us to go. Make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them. God, give us the boldness and the the unction to step outside the walls of the church, step outside the walls of my own life, step outside my box, and let people know about the Jesus who has changed my life. Jesus, you have changed my life. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Tell you what, you can have a seat as these folks have a seat, all right? But everybody's got to have a seat. (laughs) That's the first half. The second half is this. We looked at the first words of Jesus, and we looked at the last words of Jesus, and uh, probably everybody in the room knows a little bit about all the stuff that happened in be- in between there, the things that Jesus did, the things that he said. I'll just I don't want you to say it out loud, just think about it. What is the f- What's your favorite parable that Jesus told? just Just thinking, okay. What's, the, what's your favorite parable that Jesus told? Mine, hands down, is the story of the prodigal son. The uh, Good Samaritan is next. Okay? What is the most interesting person who Jesus met? Um, I don't know, don't know how else to say that. Who's the most interesting person that Jesus met? For me... The most interesting interaction was the healing of Jairus' daughter and the woman with the issue of blood and that whole trans- transaction. For you, it may be the woman at the well or Zacchaeus. But who's the most interesting person that Jesus met? Or in that, along that line, the most interesting thing that he did? Now, I thought about this. Uh, this isn't my favorite, but I thought about it when I was going to ask you this. There's a message that I've preached twice, and I have to be honest. I stole the idea from somebody else. I heard another preacher preach this, but it's a story of the four people who, who lowered the sick man down into the house where Jesus was, and they couldn't get in any other way, so they lowered him down through the roof. And what you do is, when you preach that, is you give a name to each of those four men who lowered the sick man down, like faith and hope and, you know, love, and, and then preach it in that way. The second time I preached it, I, uh, I gave a name to four men who stood off to the side who could have lowered him down, but they didn't. Fear, doubt, you get it? So last week I was thinking about that, you know, going through the stories, if I preach it again, this won't be as funny to you as it was to me when I was th- thinking about it. I'm going to name one of them sawzall. I'm going to name one of them drill, drill bit. I'm going to name one of them uh, skill saw. Uh, you know, well, it was funnier than I thought. You know, it was funny to me when I thought of it. What's the favorite story when Jesus healed? What's the favorite the favorite healing that you remember? As you're thinking about that, the first words, the last words, all that stuff in between. And all that stuff in between, if the last words weren't there, if the resurrection's not there, then everything else that Jesus did doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who he talked to. If, if, if he lied about it, If He said, I'm going to die on a cross and resurrect the the third day. But if He doesn't follow through with it, then it doesn't make any difference who He met. It doesn't make any difference the stories that He told. It doesn't make any difference about the parables of Jesus. It, It doesn't matter what He's done for anybody along the way. If He hasn't conquered death, Then everybody he met, everybody he talked to, every promise he made is not true. And everybody that he healed is going to die anyway if Jesus didn't resurrect from that grave. If if Jesus didn't prove his power over death, then the raising of Lazarus doesn't matter. Because Lazarus is just going to die again anyway. And if Jesus didn't conquer death, there's no hope for Lazarus or the woman at the well, or Jairus, or his daughter, or the woman with the issue of blood. There's no hope for them if Jesus didn't come through with what he said he would do. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the proof of everything that he said, every parable that he talked about, everyone that he healed, everyone he brought back from the grave, is the hope for that there is something next. There is something next. This quote, I use this a lot. You've heard this often down through the years. Adrian, Adrian Rogers uh, said one time, if Christ didn't, if Christ did not die on a cross, if he wasn't buried in a tomb, If he doesn't live today, nothing matters. If Christ did die a horrible death on a cross, if he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and he did rise again on the third day, nothing else matters. I believe that that's true. Nothing else really makes much difference if Jesus did not do what he said he was going to do. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we use this verse a lot. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That we have been predestined to be like Jesus. Now, not only, and I've never really thought about it this way before. Because I've looked at that verse a lot. I preach about that verse a lot. That one of the reasons, the reason, not one of the, the reason God made me. The destiny that he's got for me is that I would be conformed into the image of Christ. That I should be like Jesus. That's all. That's why he made me. That's my purpose. That's the point of why I'm here. That I would be like Jesus. Everything else is secondary. But I never really thought about it like this. But it's also like Jesus In every way. Which is also the resurrection. John said. uh, You will see him as he is. For we will be like him. And so it's not only. The life of Jesus. But it's also the death. The resurrection of Jesus. I will be like him. What that means is. He not only gives me purpose. And a point to be here. But he's given me hope. For something else. For something next. I have some atheist friends. Atheist friends. And I've heard. Quite a few atheists speak, teach, and and a recurring refrain that I just can't get. I just just can't. Is my atheist friends or the atheists who I've heard teach and and speak will say this. that, That they can not believe in God. Which only means that you don't believe there's anything next. That when you die you're dead. That's it. And so, but they're okay with that. That it's okay. That you cannot believe in God, you cannot believe in heaven and hell, that when you die, that's that's just it. And they're fine with that. And my answer is, really? Really? Because I'm not. And then they go on and say, but we believe that an atheist... Uh, can live a fulfilling life and have purpose. That you can not believe in God, not believe in, he- in heaven and hell, lead a fulfilling life, and th- that there's real purpose to life. And my question is, what purpose would that be? What is it that is giving you so much purpose in your life? Well, we can do good, good things, and I, I don't know. Maybe that's okay with some people. Apparently it, it is. But it's not okay with me. it's not enough for me maybe maybe they're just so easily contented and, and 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 I'm not, but that's not enough for me and also i I think they believe that, but they're believing a lie, and saying it over and over doesn't doesn't make it true there is The only thing I know that gives my life purpose and and hope and and there's a reason that I'm here is is God's got a plan for me and it's not only a plan for while I'm living here but he's got a plan for me with what's next. He's got a heavenly home he's preparing for me. I'm going to be like Jesus not only on this earth but in in this life but in the next life. So there's there's purpose and point that I I need that. I'm just not that easily contented to think that, man, if this, is all, if this is all there is, I'm disappointed. But this isn't all that there is. So it's that looking forward to what we will be. Let me give you an, an analogy. I was going to give you two or three. I'm only going to give you two. We're going to not do the last part of that, of that outline. Um, I went to see Angie Friday. She's in Hospice House. Okay? Now, you know what that means, right? If you're in a hospice house, or you're under hospice care, you're, you're, that you are dying, okay? Anyway, when I went to see her, I was walking out of hospice house, it reminded me, I, I was thinking and reminded me years ago, a long time ago, when my children were very small, we got one of the first computers. I guarantee you, if you're my age and you got computers years ago, they're very different from what uh, the computers are now. It's almost like not even the same thing. But we got a we got a computer, one of the first ones. And my children uh, learned to play computer games on the computer, and they love the game. Nothing nothing wrong with that. Okay, love to play the computer games. I went to visit somebody way back then when children were small. They were playing their computer games. Went to visit somebody. It wasn't at hospice house because the hospice house hadn't been built yet. But they were under, this person was under hospice care. So went to see them. And I remember coming home. Now, when uh, it, it's teacher's his own, when I go visit somebody under hospice care, you, you know what that means, right? They're dying. It means that very soon, they're stepping over into eternity, whether you believe it or not. Very soon, they're stepping from this life into the next life. So when I go to see somebody under hospice care, I don't talk to them about baseball. I don't talk to them about the weather. We don't talk about the price of gas. We talk about Jesus because if you're getting ready to step from this life into the next life you don't care how the, you don't care how how the cardinals are doing okay it doesn't matter you don't care how hot it is or how cold it is you don't you don't care about that you couldn't care less about the price of gas so i'm talk I, I left the home person who's on their deathbed I came home and the children were on the computer game. One of the children, I honestly don't remember which one, just so excited because they got a high score. Dad, you won't believe it. I've been trying. Dad, you won't believe it. It's just, it's the best day of my life. I got the high score on the computer game. This is the best day of my life. And I thought, I, hey, that's great. I didn't want to bust a boat. I thought, boy, you got a lot of life left. The best day of my life. I go from talking to a person under hospice care to per, a person so excited about a computer game. Do you see the difference? The computer game doesn't matter. Now, I didn't tell, I, you know, I didn't scold you know, they, just let them, let them have fun. They're going to figure this out. But the computer game doesn't matter when you compare it to somebody who's ready to step from temporary life into eternal life. The Cardinals don't matter. The weather doesn't matter. The price of gas doesn't matter. When you look at it like that, if Jesus doesn't resurrect, the woman at the well has no hope. Lazarus has no hope. Jesus, I need to be healed. What does it matter? What does anything matter if there's not that resurrection hope? And that analogy, when I walk in, and and, and again, I just I you know just let the children have fun. There's nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the stark contrast just hit me in the in the face. And a lot of people are living like children playing computer games. A lot of people are living like children playing computer games. It doesn't matter. But you've turned it into, this is the best day of my life. No, it's not. But you've convinced yourself that it is. Because there are issues that are so much bigger. Like death, hell, the grave, and heaven. There are so many eternal issues that are so much bigger. Billy Graham about a year before he died, had a lot of people came and interviewed him. And I read one of, one of, the, one of the interviews that he gave. And the interviewer was asking Billy Graham all kinds of questions. Of, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And everything the interviewer asked was important. Not saying it wasn't. The last question he asked was, Billy, what do you think about uh, 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 gay rights? What do you think about uh, ordaining gays in church? You know, Issues that are big. I, I get that. He had the best answer. When he, said, he, when he told the interviewer, he said, every question you've asked me is a good, a good question. It's an important one. It's got you know, some consequences to it. But he said, you know what? I really can't think about that right, right now. I'm getting ready to see Jesus. I'm getting ready to see Jesus. And so even though the questions are important and the issues are, are important, I'm getting ready to see Jesus. That's stuck with me. And that has become me. I know there's a lot, of other, a lot of other issues, a lot of other things to deal with. I, I get that. That's just a part of life. It always will be. But I'm getting ready to see Jesus. And so everything else is kind of like a computer game. You know? Everything else has become kind of like a computer game. It doesn't really matter. But you know what? I don't care who you are. You're getting ready to see Jesus too. They, but see, you've got today, you've got one day less. You're getting ready to see Jesus too. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to let you know this is the truth. You're getting ready to see Jesus too. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. This is our prayer time. This is what we usually do to end the service. We pray. And we give our people a chance to come and pray about anything and everything. As the musicians get ready, I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. I'm I'm going to ask the prayer time center and revolve around these two things. The first one is this. I don't know that one's more important than the other, but the first one is, you know, first things first. Are you a believer in Jesus? Are you a believer in Jesus? Which means... Have you received Him? Have you received Jesus as your Savior? Every one of us is stepping one day at a time toward eternity. That's the truth. Every one of us is stepping one day at a time toward eternity. Are you ready for that? Where will you be in eternity. Where will you spend it? Have you received Jesus as your savior? Do you want to? Good. You come and pray. You come and pray, and in that prayer just simply, "Lord, I believe that I've sinned and I'm ready right now to receive you as my savior to save me from my sins. I know I can't do it on my own." I believe that you can. The second thing that this prayer time revolves around is the Christian in the room. That's me. The Christian in the room who needs to uh, refocus their life. Need to kind of bring things back to where they should be. That the only, really, the only thing that really matters is Jesus and my relationship with Him. Everything else is kind of like a computer game. The real point to life is Jesus. It's not these other things that I've made it. And so there may be some Christians in the room who need to come and pray. And just refocus your, your life again. The Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. There's some things you just need to get right with Him. Just need to get straight with Him. There's some things, they are important, but you've made them too much. It's become too much. It's not Jesus. As Billy Graham said, you know, you've asked me some important questions, but I'm getting ready to meet Jesus. I'm getting ready to meet Jesus. Jesus. That's the most important thing. So if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to come. I really do. And if you do know Jesus as your Savior, but you just need to take a minute and refocus. That's what this prayer time's for. As the musicians play and sing, these altars are here, and we would love for you to come and pray, and we will pray with you. You want to come and pray, come.
1: For name it is the
0: name of Jesus.
4: You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus. great, your love was greater. What could separate us now?
1: What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ my What a wonderful name name it is nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is the name of jesus you have no right What a powerful name is the name of Jesus. What a powerful name.